please stay tuned for the Farm and Garden Show. Show. My name's Lemma, and I'm here today with my co-hosts and family, Matthew and Leela. Hello. Hi there. We're broadcasting from the Ron O'Brien studio in Philo, California, and today we will be interviewing Cayman Ackerman of Big Mesa Farm as part of our Farmer Spotlight series. We'll be taking calls at half past three, um, and before we begin, I'd like to remind everybody about our local farmer's markets, where you can support our local food producers while enjoying super fresh, locally grown goods. Here are your year-round markets. In Laytonville, your market is on Monday at 2.30 at Harwood Hall. Fort Bragg, your market is on Wednesdays from 3 to 5.30 in downtown Fort Bragg at Laurel and Franklin Street. In Willits, Thursdays, 3 to 6 on West Mendocino Avenue between Muir and Main, Ukiah, Saturdays 9 to noon at Alex Thomas Plaza. I'm actually catching there's been a time adjustment. So now the Ukiah market is at from 10 to 12:30 in Alex Thomas Plaza and in I'm being flagged here Fort Bragg. There's also been a time change for winter hours. It's still on Wednesdays from 2 to 4:30. 2 to 4:30. Thank you for that. And you can always find more information at mcfarm.org. That's M-C-F-A-R-M dot O-R-G. Hello, everyone. This is Matthew. Today, our guest is Cayman Ackerman, owner and farmer of Big Mesa Farm in Comchi, engaging in regenerative farming practices and land stewardship. Big Mesa Farm has been in operation and certified organic for almost 10 years. We're really lucky to have them in our community. They originally started in Bolinas. The farm was transplanted to Comchi a few years ago. And welcome to the Farm and Garden Show, Cayman. All right. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank Woo-hoo. you. To start, can you give us some background about yourself? How did you get into farming? How would you describe the path that led you to where you are today? Sure. Well, I I um, was up in Humboldt, went to college and studied oceanography there. And, and uh, while I was in college, I wanted to get a job, and I started working on a farm there called Wild Rose Farm, and um, I worked on that farm for about eight years and was given an incredible education and uh, lifestyle and friendships uh, through that farm. And um, and then from there, I actually moved down to Bolinas to be closer to my family and started Big Mesa Farm there in Bolinas. And the, um, yeah, so Bolinas, there's actually a mesa top there called the Big Mesa, and that's why the, the farm has the name Big Mesa. Mm-hmm. And then um, we were fortunate, my family and I looked at, uh, my parents looked at um, some land up here in, in Mendocino, and we were really fortunate to get into a piece of property out in Comchi, and um so we kind of packed up everything and, and came up here, and we were waiting for a new name, you know, because it seemed like, well, it's a new place and everything, and but nothing really came, and you know how business is, it's kind of like you got everything all set up under a certain name, and your logo, oh, yeah. and your, mm-hmm. you know, Label the business, spread. your labels, yeah, so <laughs> we just went ahead with Big Mesa Farm, so it's always going to be a part of us. Yeah. That's Aww, great. That works. Roots. Yeah. Um, so how did the Bolinas farming scene differ, differ from uh, the Mendocino scene in terms of like farmer community relationships? 
Yeah. I mean, there's in both areas, there's a lot of small farms, small organic farms. Um, I think the Marin area has a little bit more. Well, there's in some ways, I think there's more agriculture going on. Um, there's a lot of ranching out, like out in Point Reyes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But as far as vegetables, there's few farms. I mean, probably countable on one to two hands Ooh. of how many kind of vegetable operators there are in wow. in Marin. Land is obviously very difficult to access there yeah. because um, of price. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we leased we we leased land that was so incredibly out of price range yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. for Imagine. most farmers um but it's also a very supportive community as far as you know selling your produce people are real hungry for it Good. um just like they are here honestly that you know i really see that climate is going on people are really hungry for local produce right now and it's that's that's our bl- great blessing that we have as producers right now hmm. yeah, wonderful um, yeah, in a previous conversation, you and I had discussed how, you know, Bolianus has this kind of small town feel, everything's closer together, where in Mendocino, we're also spread out, right? Even though we're all in the same county and same farming community, we could be hours away from each other. Yeah. How did that have an effect on production or well, moving I mean, your produce? Yeah, so in Bolinas, you know, there we still had to drive about an hour to most of our markets mm. um our you know wholesale and and one farmers market but it but yeah we could basically we sold to two stores they were the same uh chain good earth and um we could move as much product as we could care to produce oh, awesome. through oh, wow. those two stores, mm-hmm. you know. Excellent. So there's just so many more people down there in one concentrated area. So you decide where your route is, where you're going to drive, mm-hmm. and then you can just drop all your produce, you know, That's as you nice. choose. That's yeah, awesome wow. for a farmer. Yeah, whereas in Mendocino, as you guys know, it's so spread out, right? We've got the inland, we've got the coast, we've got mm-hmm. the north and the south, and you know, and all these beautiful communities in between. So it's um, I've found it to be quite challenging really to choose where you're going to focus to be able to move your product hmm. what about the growing conditions and when you were in Bolinas versus up here what was it like to grow vegetables and the soil and the weather oh god it's such a fun journey you know <laughs> learning different just just seeing different soil and different climate and um Bolinas was we were right on the ocean um so that was really different man the char just Grumondo there, the chart is so big, all the greens oh, and nice. the lettuce. There's classic lettuce growing weather all the time and um Foggy? Foggy down there like yeah, up here our coast? We'd have the foggest, you know, mm-hmm. but as we know foggest is kinda becoming less common with climate change, I think. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, it, it was um real coastal climate. And now Compchi, wow, it gets really hot out there. It's quite dry during the summer. And it gets quite cold. We're also in a valley, so we get that really, really cold valley effect. And then we also get really, really hot temperatures because we face kind of southeast. So that's been a, a real learning curve to, you know, A, learn how to work in it myself. Yeah, yeah no joke. <laughs> Way different. Yeah, and then, um, and then you know, what grows there, what, what crops and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, well, can you tell us how you got the nickname Lady Cilantro? <laughs> yeah, that's a throwback. 
which I think is perfectly fitting. <laughs> I just learned about it this morning, but that makes total sense because mm-hmm. Cayman Grows um, consistently has cilantro at her farmer's market booth, and that's where I always get mine. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we actually had a um, a person working out there, and I told him today, I said, well, you know, cilantro is actually the initiation to Big Mesa Farm, so here you go, I'll show you how. And so we, we trained him. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so as I mentioned, my my friend who I worked for for eight years up in Humboldt at Wild Rose Farm, um, he he was really instrumental in pushing me to, hey, you know, just try it. Go start a farm. Yeah, sure. Find a little piece of land where you think you want to be and um, knock on their door. Say, hey, can I, you know, do a farm here? Which I think actually looking back, maybe that's really bad advice, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but, and then, you know, his advice was, hey, you know, just, what about just growing cilantro? It's like a, be it's really a, focused on, like, learn one thing really well? Was mm-hmm. that the idea? Mm-hmm. Do oh, it really nice. well. And um, down there, there was, I think, four Whole Foods in the county. Um, and then plus, you know, a bunch of other natural food stores. And so, we, you know, I started with an acre of cilantro. Oh, wow. And then, wow. you know, so I mean, much. that was so, it was like four beds or whatever, um, a week, you know, weekly plantings and then and then harvest and I would just, you know, sit down on my knees and harvest cilantro for hours and then drive them all over the county and at all the whole foods they just I don't know, they started being like, "Oh, it's the lady cilantro." Nice. Lady cilantro. <laughs> That's awesome. Reminds me of when you you master one kata in karate, it kind of leads to all the other, you know, katas, so you master cilantro, you're going to grow some other veggies quite it, well. It's a kata. There it is. Mm-hmm. All that, those leaves just flying and that <laughs> knife so slicing. Cilantro kata. <laughs> That's awesome. Will you indulge us with a description of what is happening in your garden right now? Um, I understand that your farm is on a homestead dated back to 1890 with some original buildings. Would you tell us about this? Yeah, yeah. So a bunch of different things going on. Um well, yeah, it's it's a real interesting spot. It's I think it was f- settled by the Finnish, you know, and previously inhabited by the Pomo. It's a really beautiful um, little mountain valley out there in Comchi and um, a somewhat natural clearing. We we don't know why it's a clearing. Maybe it could have been from burning by natives or or what. But um, then it was of course logged and. Um, and the Finnish built a barn and a house and a cabin. Well, it's a cabin now. I think it used to be a sauna. And I think they must have been running dairy, maybe, because the barn has some pretty deep wear on the floors and stuff mm. that look like animals. So, um, yeah, 130 years ago or something. That's so cool to be placed in that fossil history. Fuels. Yeah, we feel like it's, you know, we're just another one in the long line of of stewards there and occupants. So it's kind of a neat feeling. It's a real throwback. And we're off-grid, of course, so it's real quiet. Mm -hmm. And um, it's got a real uh, historical feel to it. You don't have the sound of the freeway in the background? Mm -mm. What are you growing? What kind of vegetables are in the ground right now? And (sighs) it's wet, I imagine. Have you yeah, had all that nice mud. <laughs> <laughs> Lots, I can imagine a lot. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking about on the way here. There's sort of two two prongs to the garden experience right now, and that is one is you know it's muddy. You got to wear rain gear, and you just 
have the sound of the squelch and the rain gear and and the boxes are extra heavy and it's you know sometimes we can't drive out in the field so we're hauling the boxes in a cart and it's a little mm. more challenging but then on the other side you know you're more well rested we're starting a lot later in the day yeah and you come out and everything is just bejeweled with this nice moisture and the rainwater and all the vibrant colors and um it's a it's a real lovely time to be in the field right now it just has a lot mm. of vibrancy to it that sounds beautiful um, free water from the sky yeah it's nice. yeah no drought worry anymore yeah hopefully so we read that your farm is four acres in production along with four hoop houses can you talk about the size of your farm in terms of production quantity yeah, it's an odd one. Um, I think about this a lot. I think a lot of a lot of uh, our choices as small producers has to do with scale, and um, you know, of course, our tools have to do with scale. And you know, so at at our scale, there's you know four tractors, full on. It's a tractor operation, but it, there's also a lot of handwork. So it's an interesting kind of little middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also too much for farmer's market, just farmer's market. Um, so we do have to ho- do wholesale, but it's not wholesale that's going to be shipped really too far. Um, so it's kind of in a, in a very local little slot there um, hmm. as far as scale. Yeah. Okay, um, so you can fill the needs, um, produce needs of your immediate community, the county. Right, without having to really go too far. I mean, I'll be honest. I would say that what it's really based on is is selling to local grocery stores. Mm-hmm. That's what we did down in Bolinas, and I kind of just fell into that sort of size down there. It was five acres, and I just sort of fell into that, and then got used to it, and then came up here and saw this place, and I said, okay, yeah, this I could sort of do a very similar thing, and it, mm-hmm. it works really well for local grocery stores. Just about that the quantity that you produce mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah and it's i know speaking from experience since we have our mushroom business it's been helpful for us to have um those grocery store accounts that are regular fairly regular you know you get consistent order and you know you're going to be um selling every week and then also have the farmer's market sale which are direct customer sales so you're bringing home more money um, but it's less consistent. So mm-hmm. melding those two can be um, is, is essential for farmers uh, in a business sense. Yeah, they pair really well because the way I kind of see it is we do we plant for wholesale, but then easy for farmer's market. Yeah, sure. Yeah. We'll do Whatever's another excess. dozen chard. We've got that. You know, mm-hmm. it's easy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and I know you use the Mendo Lake Food Hub to distribute your produce. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and how that's helped you? Yeah, that was it's one thing that really differs between um, the Bolinas and the Marin um, farming climate down there and here is that we've got things like the Food Hub and the Good Farm Fund. Um, incredible resources that we've got. Mm-hmm. Like, Yay, y'all here, producers, here. remember, this is amazing that we've got this. I was mind blown to realize that there's all these people who are so supportive and out there like working really hard mm-hmm. to support our local food shed. It's it's um, it's remarkable. Yeah, de- we're it's pretty not lucky. happening everywhere and um, so it's it's really been a joy to work with, you know, the food hub people and get to know everybody 
um, in that world. And then, I, I mean, honestly, it's rad. I can I can be in this little super secluded mountain valley and go and we drop we our um, the food hub has nodes where you drop off your produce and then it just they distribute it through the county right so we go to um, our node at Casper in, at Fortunate Farm in Casper and from there we can drop it off and it'll end up at a restaurant down in Lake County mm-hmm. you cool. know or yeah. it can go to Ukiah Natural Foods or it goes to you know, the Pomo Indian something where they ordered, you know, a bunch of produce for an event. It's really right cool yeah, to it's be sweet. able to work that way. So. And you, as individuals, you can order from their website, too, and access hyper-local um, fresh food. And for farmers, you know, we don't have to harvest until we get that pick list from them. So stuff can stay uh, fresh in the ground um, until it needs to get delivered. And then, came in, you're only driving 15 minutes to drop it off instead of clear to Lake County to drop off an order you know yeah so um yeah the food hub's awesome uh so what vegetables do you sell the most of what do mendocino county residents eat boy i mean it's really changing when i first got here i said okay i'm gonna do what i did in bolinas and do all this lettuce and kale and then (laughs) the climate's different and Mm -hmm. um so we've had to learn quickly (laughs) about um what makes sense to grow so i've really been enjoying doing tomatoes for the grocery stores Mm -hmm. um honestly i think that's a pretty wide open account i would love more people to do that too but as of now it's not um yeah it's just it's just open not that many farmers are growing tomatoes for wholesale markets correct ah yeah hear that farmers out there Mm -hmm. yeah please (laughs) you're planning for next year you know, really anything. Um, grow more for grocery stores. Grow more for the food hub. You know, do these things. It's, it's mm-hmm. wide open. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, so um, what was the question? Oh, yeah. So the crops. Well, yeah. What do you I, sell the most of? Cilantro? <laughs> it's hard to tell. Yeah. I mean, we do what we call crick greens. So we do radish, cilantro, dill, arugula, and spinach weekly. All mixed in a bag? Weekly planted. No. Just for all the separate separate. places. Mm -hmm. But, you know, radish is real consistent. We Mm -hmm. sell that to, you know, Ukiah Natural Foods and to the hub and um, and the stores. And and then lettuce. We can grow lettuce, so we just do a lot of that because people are like rabbits in that way. (laughs) More lettuce for Mendo. (laughs) And you mentioned tomato. You enjoy growing tomatoes. I I assume you didn't grow tomatoes in Bolinas. Am I assuming correctly? No. This is I had to learn quick. You know, because not only the growing, but then picking. Picking tomatoes is very specific. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, And do you have a favorite variety that you like, or? I, that works well for you in your I area? I can only say that I just am two or three years in, and I am such a novice. There's cool. people in this county who have been growing for 20, 30 years, tomato varieties, and, and they tell me it's all about variety. So I'm still a little in the dark. Mm-hmm. But I've tried about maybe 10 to 12 varieties every year. Mm-hmm. And cool. I'm settling on a few. So I like, you know, like true heirlooms. There's one called Carbon that I really like. Um, and there's one called Rose Ooh. that I really like too. So cool, yeah, good. I'm already missing tomato season. <laughs> I know we're just we just ended tomato I season. Know. I actually got some tomatoes from you last week that were awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost gone. Um, 
Um, if you are just joining us, you are listening to the Farm and Garden Show, where your hosts, Lemma, Matthew, and Leela, and our guest is Cayman Ackerman of Big Mesa Farm in Kampchi. So what are the most rewarding things about being a farmer? Hmm. Well, I, uh, my, um, <laughs> stutter, stutter. Well, I, there was a, some, a landlords that I had back in Bolinas and she says she watched how hard we work and kind of was looking at the economics and she said, why do you do this? You know? <laughs> and I couldn't really answer. I didn't know what to say, and then later on that evening, it was it was getting dark, and and the sun was kind of just setting, and I was actually out there. I was throwing manure out of the back of one of my old trucks on the onto the field. Mm -hmm. It's just it, it was just beautiful, and I had a little bit of music playing, and I was just there's a way when you spread manure <laughs> with a shovel that you really got to do it just right. There's oh, yeah, this yeah. arc, okay, of the shovel that's like really perfected you know you got to do it right this is absolutely. fertilizer you have to be absolutely. careful and and i'm just by myself like working on that arc with the shovel i was you so know? not yeah. expecting this <laughs> <laughs> awesome. and then i realized these are the glory moments you mm -hmm. know and so every once in a while you get these glory moments and you know yeah you're you get them you you get to feel those because hmm. not everybody if if you're not out there working all the time, you don't yeah. see those glory moments that happen. So, those are my favorite parts. Just when you're really in the field, really. Yeah. 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 Lots of people are talking about dopamine hacking and all this kind of stuff, and there's no better way to centralize and and balance your brain molecules and doing some good old gardening. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are some of the most challenging things as far when it comes to farming? The list is really long. I will not stutter here. <laughs> well, I mean, like Lama and I were speaking before, um, it the, being a farmer, you have to wear so many hats, right? Mm. Um, you know, okay, irrigation specialist, electrician, um, delivery driver, direct sales, um, sales representative, um, marketing manager, field laborer, um, nutrient analysis, microbiologist, um, <laughs> yeah. crop specialist, uh -huh. crop planning, disease uh, monitoring, you know, right? The put list. together your own wow. website. Yeah. Mechanic. Yeah. Um, you know, the list goes on, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, business owner, taxpayer, you know, all these. So all of just handling all of the things is what's is what's challenging because mm -hmm. sometimes i just want to be centered and in the field and with the person i may be working with but my mind is 10 million steps ahead thinking about next year the way that this crop is growing right now this variety how far apart they're planted who's mm -hmm. gonna help harvest you know there's just so many things going on that <laughs> yeah yeah it um you know it can keep you up at night sometimes yeah there's a lot of good farming books out there but they're just not gonna it's not gonna substitute for being a farmer you just got to be out there and encounter these challenges firsthand that yeah arise all the time uh, the world is currently experiencing a sort of supply chain disruption some people are saying there's production shortages has this affected your farm yet are you concerned about potentially not being able to get seeds or supplies and do you have a backup plan for this possibility? Well, it's a subject of 
common theorizing, you know, what is the backup plan, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, da- my dad said to me, he's very involved in the farm and infrastructure and stuff out there, and we were looking at a PVC bushing the other day that we needed to screw into our water tanks to get the pipe down to the field. Mm-hmm. And he l- held it up and he said, came in, what would we do if we didn't have this? <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> One little tiny piece that comes from China, right? That your whole farm system is dependent on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I don't, I, what really has blown my mind with farming is that you, you get like, as far as economics, right, you get this gross income and how much of that is spent in our community and into the systems and at the irrigation store and at mm-hmm. the you know the farm store and the everywhere and the seeds and it's you're so connected farming is so connected with everything else mm-hmm. we're just like it's you're a, not an island no we're really not and and we talk about sustainability heck yeah we're doing cover crops we're doing everything we can to be regenerative and sustainable and stuff but we are so connected mm-hmm. and a big one is irrigation it's a really big you know you need a lot of pieces in order to water mm-hmm. um agriculture so yeah, and finding legacy pieces for some system you bought a few years ago and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's that's one of the arguments for simplicity, I think, because the more specialized you get, like you said, you know, it will be may become difficult to find those special pieces. Yeah. Um, but keeping it, the, the KISS rule, keeping it simple, stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Keep it mm-hmm. simple, stupid. I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, just I think there's so many different paths that you know it could take. That disaster could take. I hate to use that word. Just um, not being able to access uh, parts or seeds or whatever. Mm-hmm. We just have to mm-hmm. kind of address it as it arises. So mm-hmm. it's hard to plan for those kinds of things. Often, yep. You know, yep. And those kind of collapses are also coming from you know societies that really aren't running necessarily in a way that is sustainable and so part of the answer to the fear of all these collapses creating the world we want to see you know like doing our small farms Mm -hmm. and stuff so don't stop you know we gotta Mm -hmm. just forge forge on right and And Mm -hmm. how can we in it like in the face of this system disruption that we currently um don't necessarily agree with like importing from faraway places like how do we reinvent that on a more local scale um Mm -hmm. to to continue with in the future so right right and choosing those questions yeah Totally. And then choosing where we are supporting, like, you know, where we are spending our dollars, where we're buying our irrigation stuff, where we're, you know, what we're choosing to buy. It's going to be cheaper often to buy the stuff from farther away, which mm-hmm. is really un, uh, not, it's weird. I don't know why yeah, that's yeah, the way it sense. is, but <laughs> anyways, but yeah, if we can make Labor. our choices, you know, yeah. use use our dollars in the right places where we see things going more local and more sustainable than of course, that's something we can do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so speaking of community relations, we talked about the Good Farm Fund a second ago and how they support our local farmers. Um, in 2019, you received a grant from the Good Farm Fund for a walk-in cooler. In 2020, you received another grant from the Good Farm Fund to improve your irrigation system. Can you talk about how this community support helped your business? 
mind-blowingly so <laughs> huge yeah th- mm-hmm. those were both incredible boons to the farm and you know i just progress would be a lot slower it was really a game changer to have um a cooler it's super hot out there and then irrigation system is like oh man i could go on about how much time we're saving being able to oh goodness yeah. automated timers yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we could only water two beds at a time and it's a 500 bed farm so oh wow you know the, and we had to walk up and down the hill to switch the valves before so it was insane <laughs> but now we can water 10 yeah. at a time saving five minutes or a minute to not have to walk somewhere it really adds up quick yeah you are listening to the farm and garden show we are your hosts lemma matthew and leela and our guest is cayman i cannot read that cayman ackerman of big mesa farm in Comshi, if you would like to join the conversation, please call 895-2448. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines now. So if you have a question for Cayman or you want to be part of the discussion, give us a call. And again, the number is 895-2448. And we just ask that you try to keep it on topic and do your best to limit your time to less than three minutes, please. Depends how interesting the question is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so back to the uh, Good Farm Fund grants that you received. So talk a little bit about um, how necessary a cooler is for a farmer. So th- please, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Right, so aggregating um, labor and for harvesting is a big deal, right? So harvest is the main, main job on a farm and um hopefully things are good if that's the main job (laughs) so um and you know we can get pretty big orders and they really all have to happen within a short amount of time so we we receive our order at six in the morning or seven and then we really need to get it out by four so getting all of an order a good sized order done you really need to um wow you got to be really on it and have a lot of hands or something so um this way you can pick a little bit ahead and put it in the cooler the day before or if you have something left over from farmer's market you can maybe bring it uh somewhere else or you can pick things like beets or root crops that'll store very well and leave them in the cooler um and then just in general for quality when we have those super blazing hot days if we pick lettuce in the morning before it gets hot then we can put it in the cooler in order to you know keep it fresh while while we get the rest of our order together so So. if you didn't have a cooler you would have to harvest and deliver immediately immediately yeah Mm -hmm. so you couldn't hang out or whatever so it piles up the work yeah that's that's huge for farmers so Mm -hmm. that's great Mm -hmm. um and then um for your irrigation system we talked about like labor saving and stuff like that um do you have a well or a spring on your property yeah for the most part we have a, a spring that's done very very well um we did actually dig a well a couple of years ago and i was terrified of the decision it's a huge investment and um super terrified Definitely. but then yeah. um boy then we had that real dry year and i just i feel so happy that we did do it um but you were terrified of just the cost investment to just yeah mm-hmm. yeah just to do it i wasn't totally sure if we needed it you know um 
and but it's been absolutely would have been necessary so yeah was your spring able to hold hold you over a little bit or did it kind of fail on you yeah this year the spring never dried but it it got down pretty low so yeah we we got lucky with the well and it seems to be doing pretty well so Mm -hmm. yeah i know some farmers um definitely they had to stop watering at some point and couldn't plant like a second cycle of crops this year because yeah. of the drought yeah totally so that's good to know you're able to push through and um, so in our last show we spoke with carolyn radice of the new agrarian collective and we discussed farmer burnout being common among small farmers um and you had mentioned kind of like always have thought having thoughts on your mind and um do you experience burnout and if so do you have ways of dealing with it i certainly do um i'm still going um but yeah we see that that's that's the biggest danger the biggest danger of farming and right now i think there's there's actually a little quiet revolution going on actually i think there's a lot of young people into farming and i think that is really exciting and we really want to support that we want to get more young people in the farming people are super Mm -hmm. into actually these really kind of small scale gardens you know quarter acre half acre um and these some really nice no-till things are coming out and um there's a lot of excitement being generated um among the younger generation with farming and so i think that the conversation of burnout is really important to talk about um and one of my thoughts on it has to do with economics and i think that we can talk a lot about the really the fun ways of making of sustainable farming of your field practices that's really good stuff it's great research but we also need to think about the sustainability of the economics of your farm so if you go ahead you get super excited you start a farm three years into it you're still not really coming out ahead and you're exhausted, of course, um, you may quit. We've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's something that I just, um, I wish was a little bit more part of the conversation to avoid that burnout. So if if you're able to feel secure in your earnings at the end of the year, then I think you can maybe take more vacations. Ah, (laughs) Right? um, And feel like it's okay to take some time off or give yourself a massage or something like that Mm -hmm. um and that was like one of the things for me that was why i thought the cilantro planting actually made a lot of sense like honestly i wasn't running around doing 16 different crops that i didn't really know how to grow quite yet i was just doing one thing that i knew i got 70 cents a bunch that was and i knew it was going to germinate because I knew how to do Wait, it. 70 cents a bunch? Well, yeah, at times. Wholesale. Wholesale. At times. Yeah, yeah. I prefer a dollar. Yeah. But at times, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it gets pretty low. But um, but the thing is, you you know you can grow it, and it's it's clear, and you know how to... You know you can sell it. You know how much sells. It's a big seller. So there's not as much risk in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, any case, however you decide to do it, but going into it having a plan you know having a plan Mm. for how your economics are going to work out and go with your heart go with your spirit because otherwise you won't go but but remember that we've got to have our our economics worked Mm -hmm. out to to try to avoid that burnout yeah you end up being a hobby farmer for 10 years in a row and putting money into it yeah right yeah yeah 
for sure. Um, I mean, yeah. I hope I hope that's not like dark or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true it's... and it's real. It's important. We we there's just isn't going to be farming unless it's economical, plain and simple. Well, and so. having a plan is huge, right? Mm-hmm. And knowing what you're getting into. And I think. Um, I've been selling at the farmer's market for many years and I've made a lot of friends that are farmers and Matthew and I farm, um, have our own little home garden here uh, in the valley and it's a lot of work and, you know, um, I constantly say like, I don't know how people do it. Like you Mm -hmm. spend all this time, months, you know, growing carrots from seed in a flat transplant, you know, however you grow them. And then you're selling them for three bucks, like a whole bunch of carrots for three bucks. Mm -hmm. And I can't Mm -hmm. imagine parting (laughs) with something that I spent that much like labor and love on um, Mm -hmm. for three dollars. Like it's unbelievable to me. So Mm -hmm. I can see um, where a market gardener would get disheartened, you know, if they weren't seeing if they weren't being able to um, weren't able to make a significant income or, or a living for themselves and their family right because it's so much work sometimes i want to make little signs at the market that say parsley 85 day crop uh-huh uh-huh totally and mm-hmm. this many hours mm-hmm. of labor went into it and if i was paid a minimum wage to grow this bunch of parsley it would cost you know 24 dollars mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so um something like this we've t- matthew mm-hmm. and i have talked about this before just having like a you know, a uh, food cost activist stand and mm-hmm. have what true cost vegetables, yeah. you know, for sale. Yeah. Nobody Just will buy them, but we'll hand out some <laughs> brochures and it'll be interesting. <laughs> and then we'll give our produce away at the end. But oh, if, sure. you, if you want to share your ideas about the cost of food and yeah. um, the value of food, um, maybe get into food as a commodity, you know, call us. Uh, we are, our lines are totally open. We'd love to hear from our community. 895-2448. Uh, 895-2448. It can be about anything. You can ask Cayman some juicy personal questions. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> anything about farming. And uh, yeah, give us a call. Oh, it looks like we have a call now. Let's see if I can bring him on the air. Okay. Caller, you are live. Uh, yeah, give us a call. It looks like we have a call now. Let's see if I can... Caller, you are live on the air. Hi, hello. Uh, This is Michelle, and I am running Green Rainbow Farms. We're very new up Navarra Ridge, and I have a few questions. Um, We've been... Let's see, I've been going on for about a year, maybe a year and a half, and definitely hitting farmer burnout. Hmm. Um, I have a 50-foot row of broccoli that has completely gotten taken from uh, the gophers. Mm-hmm. So this year, that has been our biggest problem as gophers, and we have traps, and we're organic, and I just wanted to maybe get some advice if there's anything that you guys have used that's worked. We have cats, too. Um, let's see. I had another question, but... And yeah. then... I forgot my other question, but that's the main thing is I just wanted to see what you guys do. Oh, Farm Fund. I was curious about the um, Farmers Fund. Can you give me some more information about it? Are they doing it this year? And I'll take my answers off the air. Great. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
So I can quickly answer about the Good Farm Fund, and then I'll let Cayman go into gophers, which is a, our favorite topic. Um, the Good Farm Fund is happening. They have a grant cycle coming up, although it's been delayed. Um, I think we're going to see it in the beginning of 2022 um, for them to start accepting applications. That was the latest news I heard. It may have changed. So Good Farm Fund. I think .org uh, online, just Google Good Farm Fund, and you should find out uh, all you need there. Um, they should have like an email sign-up list that um, you can get updates. Want to talk about gophers? Well, yeah, gophers are a tough one. It definitely certain areas really have a lot of them. Um, you know, I mean, for us, one of the ways that it's mitigated a little bit is through tillage, honestly. Um, they they sort of their homes get disrupted and they just sort of leave the area but they do come back and so you know plant more mm -hmm. you know plan for it plant more um and i've also heard that's um there's some sound have you heard of those it's like a the sonic thing that you put in there oh yeah it makes a banging sound into the soil over and over again something or something like, like that, that. Mm -hmm. yeah i haven't ever used them Matthew and I have used gopher traps. We hate to. We usually mm -hmm. just say, okay, take what you need. Mm -hmm. But then we're, you know, raising their hundreds of children, gopher children, <laughs> by feeding them a lot. So it can get out of hand where we are. Um, it's a tough one. So yeah. it sounds like you don't experience them too much? We don't too much, yeah. Mm -hmm. We used to get them pretty bad in Bolinas with root crops, especially with winter crops, right? Because they sit there for so long. Mm -hmm. um, that's a tough one, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, my ex personal experience has been um, clearing space around so you don't have like your piles of, uh, you know, the plants that you just pulled up in a pile and brush and stuff that's close. So they don't have places to hide because they're, natu they're naturally predated on by birds, um, birds of prey. So mm -hmm. if you can clear space so the birds can see them easily and they don't have anywhere mm -hmm. to hide, that, mm -hmm. that can help with the voles also. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's counterintuitive, but it, I've had rows of garlic that were mulched and rows of garlic that were not mulched, and we're losing fifty percent of our garlic in the rows that are mulched, and you know twenty percent from the gophers in the in the ones that aren't aren't mulched. I don't know if I said that right, but um, if yeah. you create a clear zone where they are out in the open and they feel vulnerable from the birds, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And if you can get away from mulch, you might grow a lot more. It's counterintuitive. So we have another caller here. Let's see if we can get him on the air. Caller, you are live on the air. Do you have, have a question? Yeah, yeah. I have a question about your produce cooler. The uh, I used to work on farms, and, you know, we had various ones, high-velocity ones and different kinds that we used over the years. And I just wondered what you guys put in, how cold it can go, um, how well it can hold when the uh, when it's 110 degrees. And just sort of what luck you're having with that cooler. Yeah, I mean, our our cooler is definitely not um, full on, you know, it doesn't stay, you know, at 35 degrees, which is what I, what I would like, you know, just above freezing. But um, we, can, we can get it down to 40, even when we're just throwing tons of produce in there in the on the summer days. Um, it's about... I think it was five inch thick rigid insulation. So it's really, we really, really took our time with the insulation. I think if yeah. you're ever going to build a cooler, just really take that, go that extra mile. And then we're, we're using the cool bot system 
um, which is is not ideal. It's not super professional in the way that it keeps it it cool, but it works. It's enough for us. Um, we're also on solar, so I actually turn it off at night. <laughs> so our produce doesn't stay as cool as I would like it to. But the insulation <laughs> but helps hold it over. It right? sure does. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, it's very well. So insulated. you're running on solar. So does that mean you're running with an inverter, running it at 110 or 240, or you have a 48 volt coolbot system, or what do you have? Yeah, yeah. We're we've got. Uh, pretty big inverters and um, yeah, very robust solar system out there. So yeah, it's it's regular regular power. So that produce cooler is running on 240 volts then. Correct. Yep. Okay. And so, how do you feel about it? If you had to build it over again, would you build it the same way? I would probably build it a little bit smaller. I went big because I wanted to have the ability to store, uh, you know, potatoes or something, a big crop. Um, but again, the fact that I kind of turn it off at night and it's not quite as cold as I'd like it to, I don't think I would uh, put as much stock into it for long-term storage. So I'd make it smaller so that it's able to stay really cool. So you think that the problem is that your space is too large? For the size of uh, compressors you have? Correct. Well, we don't actually have compressors. We have the CoolBot system with um, a wall air conditioning unit or a window air conditioning unit. And so it's just about at the max of what they recommend for that system. And so is CoolBot, is CoolBot the one that defeats the temperature controls in a window air conditioner? Yep, you're because correct. Because I know yep. that I've heard of people using mini split. And a mini split will cut off at about 64 degrees. It won't cool cooler than that. Oh. And then I was thinking that out here in California, they built some kind of a little computer that confuses the computer so that you can make those cool to a lower degree. Yeah. Is that what you're doing? Correct. Yeah, it's just a regular um, air conditioner, and then the cool bot just triggers it again and again. So. I see. Okay, so we're we're not really using a proper system designed to cool to 35 degrees. Well, I mean, they say that it will. And again, I think if our room was a little smaller, that it, it would work pretty well. How big is your, how many ton is your window air conditioner? Um, I don't know. It's It's the biggest unit you can get for one of those. 24, maybe. It could be something like that. <laughs> or a 24. All right. And you wouldn't happen to know what the SEER or EER rating on that thing is, would you? Oof. Um, well, yeah, I'd have to look that up. I don't remember. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just, it's interesting to hear some feedback on that because I'd heard about people trying to use those. And, you know, but I'd never talked to somebody that actually had installed it and was trying to do it. Well, yep, yep. it's a it's a farmer shortcut. It's mm. it's out there for yeah, folks that yeah. don't quite have the dough to, yeah. to invest in compressors. <laughs> it makes it somewhat affordable to have a kind of walk-in cooling space, and a lot of farmers around here use it. And I think the Food Hub, the Mendo Lake Food Hub, has yeah. some cool bot systems for their nodes for mm -hmm. where they keep produce. So well, otherwise, they work to have a big enough air conditioner on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think they work great. The ones I've seen work great. Awesome. Yeah, so I... Um, well, I'm horrible with square feet. Let's see. It's probably like 8 by 15. 
Oh, okay. Sounds good. Standard eight, eight foot height? Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for the info. I appreciate that. Great. Thanks for your call. Thank you. If you want to join the conversation, you can call 895-2448. And again, this is the Farm and Garden Show. And I'm Lama, and my co-hosts are Matthew and Leela, and we're with Cayman of Big Mesa Farm out of Comchi. So, Cayman, if um, you had to go back and do it all again, and um, what resources do you wish you would have had when you first started? Um... Well, a little more startup capital would have been good because mm. it, it was stressful just kind of having to hit, literally hit the ground running. We we were f- harvesting crops in Bolinas as we were moving, you know, to keep the income going. I mean, we yeah. left dino kale in the ground there, but we harvested up until the very last moment. And then we got here and, and you know, basically planted in a couple, in like two to three months, we tilled up. Um, some of the pasture and and went to it so that and that was hard because the infrastructure was not really it w- wasn't up to par on the on the farm so there was no electricity when we got there there was not a working toilet when we got there um, so there was just a lot of infrastructure stuff yeah. that that needed help and the the biggest our biggest project was electricity was the solar system luckily my dad has been in solar his entire life and I've grown up on many solar powered houses so this was kind of like a dream project and so we were able to you know put that in and um but yeah that it was challenging to do everything for sure (laughs) yeah transitioning a a land-based business yeah and roughing it on the homestead it looks like we have another call here caller you have been holding you're on the air are you there? Hi there. Hi. The, uh, um, during the COVID lockdown, there were boxes of groceries, of produce that were provided to low-income senior citizens um, in Conchi and along the coast. And I would like to thank Big Mesa Farms because the goodies that were in those boxes were incredible and every senior would pick up their box once a week and gleefully take it home (laughs) and open up the top to see what was waiting for us that week inside and quite often it was it was goodies from big mesa Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to let the folks know there how much that was appreciated during the covid lockdown that's really sweet feedback. I I really appreciate hearing that. Those that box program. Um, I think it was a CDFA program. Uh-huh. That sounds right. Um, yeah. they, that was a huge help to us too, because yes. as we know, sub, you know, demand and supply was really disrupted, and that was huge for us to be able to. Yeah. Okay. You know, sixty boxes. We need sixty bunches of. So you know. Mm-hmm. So that that was really great. Yeah. Thank you. Funny down at the Conchi Hall because we were all supposed to take off, you know, pick up our boxes and leave. But people would look inside, and particularly cilantro was <laughs> one of the things. Some people Lady really loved cilantro. cilantro and wanted to get as much of it as they could, and other people yeah. didn't particularly care about it. So um. more than once, um, I shared my cilantro with one of the cilantro lovers that was waiting to see <laughs> okay. if anybody else would have some. So I just wanted to uh, extend some words 
words of praise and thank you for what you provided the seniors with during the lockdown. Oh, well, thank you so much for participating. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank you for your call. That was great. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that program um, was, again, through the Mendo Lake Food Hub. They just dis- helped distribute um, food to seniors. That was a grant, I think, from the CDFA. Um, and so it allowed... Um, farmers to sell their produce and get paid for it and allowed uh you know offered free produce to seniors Mm -hmm. at the time and and delivered to their neighborhood if not their home so i think if you're in the ukiah area people were getting home deliveries there so really cool program here in the county yeah that's one of the great just sort of like obvious bridges that the food hub really works really hard to happen like i think there's also a farm to schools grant Mm -hmm. going on so i mean yeah hello let's get you know all these great local produce let's get it into the schools and feed it to our our youth so there's some very cool programs that the mendo lake food hub works to make happen so those are good folks over there i have a question about cilantro (laughs) <laughs> so there i don't know if it's rumor or not but since you are lady cilantro um i think it might be appropriate to ask that so the rumor i'm i've heard is that some people have a certain gene that makes cilantro taste like soap i have it you have it oh no <laughs> so cilantro tastes like soap to you well it used to i've gotten over it but yeah no i never used to eat it and I didn't like the smell. Yeah, interesting. I didn't like the smell. And so you just got used to it. So is this, have you verified this scientifically? Is it a true thing? No, okay. no but everyone seems to agree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For me, it's uh, um, when cilantro goes to bolt, it uh, has a different mm. flavor. And that's when I taste it soapy. Hmm. So maybe mm-hmm. that whatever chemical it is, phytochemical, comes out more when it starts to go to flower. Well, I've heard south of the border they like like in Mexico they like it when it goes bolted because it does have a different flavor. A different so. flavor. Huh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. So if you've never tried to grow cilantro, I just want to say it's I think particularly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I Matthew and I have been trying um, unsuccessfully for many years to start a cilantro Aww. crop. <laughs> Oh, we should and talk. I've just resigned to letting Cayman grow it for me because <laughs> I eat a lot of it. Um, but uh, yeah, it tends to bolt really quickly. So the little seedlings will just go right to seed all the time for me. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm fine with you growing it. I don't, I don't need to. Well, this time of year, they'll last a lot longer, right? In the summer, uh-huh. they bolt really quick near the solstice. So when the days are really, really long or increasing day length just before the solstice, it's mm-hmm. very challenging. But I think that's my problem. I'm I'm all excited in spring and yep. start all these seed flats and it's not when it does well. And then it gets that's the wrong hotter time. sooner yeah. than I think it will. Always. Yeah. You know? Start seeding in August. Okay. For yeah. fall crop, and then you can go. It's yeah. good to know. Great. Perfect. So if you had to choose one tool in the garden, what would it be? The wheel hoe. The wheel hoe? Tell us <laughs> <Whoa>. about it. <laughs> well, we prepare our beds with tractors, but we don't mechanically cultivate right now. Um, occasionally we will, but mostly we just walk along with the wheel hoe. So it's got a stirrup hoe on the back, and we have six and eight inch wide stirrup hoes. Hmm. And it's on a wheel and two handles at, uh, you know, working height up at your Cool. I've never chest. seen that. And then so you grab the handles, you engage the stirrup hoe into the soil about an inch to kill weeds and to aerate the soil. And you can go like an eighth of an inch away from your crop. Like cilantro works very well. 
Um, and you can just cultivate the weeds out and also aerate it with the wheel hoe. And it's mm. my favorite job on the farm, too. I would love to just wake up in the morning and go uh, wheel hoe wheel for ho. a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I see somebody's trying to call. It's We're getting towards the end of the show, and uh, we're just about to close up here. So we'd love for you to call back next time or on Elizabeth's show coming up. Yeah, Elizabeth Archer hosts um, the Farm and Garden Show next Thursday at 3, and then we'll be back next month, the second Thursday of each month. Matthew, Leela, and I will be your hosts. And um, we'd like to thank you for tuning into the Farm and Garden Show. Um, thank you, Cayman, for being on our show today. And just where can people find out more about Big Mesa Farm? Great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, just check it out on uh, bigmesafarm.com. If you're interested in helping out on the farm, please reach out. There's a link there or an email. And um, yeah, we'd love to see you out there. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. Stay tuned for democracy. Stay tuned for democracy now. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.